Cyberpunk 2077. And Cross-Gen Gaming. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square. I am your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Saw Bridges, bringing you Lucky Episode 76. 76 of these things. Brett, tell them who we are. We are Places Podcast. You can normally find us Monday mornings, or technically, I guess it depends on where you're at, but Monday at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST on YouTube and video format. If you like what we're doing there, give us a subscription. Uh, see, hit the little bell so you can find out when these episodes go live. At least every Monday you'll get something from us, if not more often when we do other stuff. Uh, if you like what we're talking about, too, give us thoughts down in the comments below. We love to have conversations with people. If you want to listen to us on podcast services, you can find us on iTunes and all those other places. If you listen on iTunes, consider giving us a review. We do read them. I recently realized that I had missed one from a while back. So, Joshua, if you are still listening to us, I saw your thing. Thank you. I'm glad that you think we're great. We're good when we are good. Uh, Thank you. One thing I've worked on or been trying to work on is not talking over Saw as much and realizing when I'm doing it, trying to pull myself back. Uh, and otherwise, you know... We are, I will say this about the Xbox side, we bring up everything in an ex in a attempt to try and give reasoning and uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. We use it to frame what we're talking about with PlayStation often. So we bring up Microsoft specifically to make sure how we're going to tie that into the PlayStation thing. We're not always directly on things. You know, this is something we do as a hobby. If we had a little more time and stuff, maybe be a little bit more professional. Who knows? Uh, but we still, like we said, read those all the time and try and do what we can to take what's uh, being told to about us from them so that we can get an idea um, of where to go and how to improve. Uh, so if you want to leave us a review, it uh, helps us get our numbers up there anyway and helps people find us a little more. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Triangle SQRD. We post pictures of custom cases that we do sometimes, post giveaways for those sometimes, uh, other bits that we do and our thoughts uh, generally, and you can contact us on there. You can meet us in our Discord that we have, uh, and everybody's always popping with conversation. And also, you can uh, you can support us on Patreon at the $1, $3, or $5 tiers, and there's different rewards for those if you want to check those out. The Patreon link is in the description below. So, yes, what have you been playing this week? I think we both know the answer to this, but it's also the way that it started with a Friday release. They may have had some stuff ahead of time. So what's uh, been doing? Not nothing actually more than Spider Man. This week I've actually had a kind of chill break on games for the most part. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and answer Matthew Green's question real quick in a weird way. Uh, that way, Matt, we don't think uh, you don't think we left you out. But uh, he wants to know if Spider Man lives up to the hype. I think we both are planning on doing a uh, impressions video together sometime this week, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so Matt, be sure to check in for that because uh, you'll definitely get the answers there. I would say and, the yeah, I would say the clear answer is that we both been playing Spider Man. Right, and a lot. We both of, have interesting ideas uh, that I feel like are a little against what some of the industry thinks to some extent. A little bit, but it's the, it does live up to the hype. It um, does. It does. I would say. Uh, and it's obviously a quality-made game, but I will expound more on my thoughts when I've beaten it because I've also gotten to play it far less than Saul, uh, and we will make sure that we cover our complete thoughts and make sure they're all covering the entire game. We're not speaking from a, a half point of knowledge on that. Uh, but go ahead, Saul. Yeah, no, well, yeah. with the way my schedule's working out this current week, we should be able to go ahead and uh, at least I, I know I'll be able to go ahead and crank out the ending here real soon. Uh, depending on today, if not today, probably tomorrow or Tuesday. But... Love having uh, love having the fun with it that I am, and it is really solid. But uh, as Brett said, there is some qualms to be had with the game. Nothing major, but you know, I, I would say actually, for the, for what I was expecting, a little major. But um, 
yeah, so that's kind of it, though. Spider-Man and, you know. Any games of Rainbow Six or anything this week? No, no, no. I haven't played Rainbow Six uh, this week at all. Didn't even play Rocket League this week at all. Uh, no Dead Cells, no Death Game. It's either kind of weird for me. Yeah, Dead Cells has been out of rotation for me, not because of anything other than just time restrictions. Uh, so what I ended up playing this week was beating Guacamelee 2. Uh, of course, we ended up playing Death's Gambit, but that was just for the stream. So we'll count that, though. Uh, so there is Excuse that. Excuse me. Uh, we did the stream of Death's Gambit last weekend. Um, fun game. Still enjoy it. Um, I beat it at that point, and I'd already been out of it and playing Guacamelee 2. Uh, beat Guacamelee 2, and then that was actually like, um, that was Tuesday night. So... What I was thinking Tuesday night is, well, what do I do? Because Wednesday rolled around, and I was like, I don't know what to play, but I don't want to start something when Spider-Man's about to come out when I'm going to want to jump into that. One of the things I have is not wanting to play more than one game at a time. So when I'm doing, like, I was going through that, and I was like, well, what do I want to play that I don't really care if I get in and out of right now? And I bought that Shadow Blade Reloaded game, which is just fun, small, bite-sized segments because it was originally a mobile game. Yeah. But it's fun. And like I say, it would have made a really cool, full-fledged Metroidvania. Uh, but all things considered, I was like, I'll hop in for a couple of levels. There's not really a huge exposition on this. I don't really care if I hop in and out of it. I only spent a dollar on it. I just, it, it was a good time waster in that sense. So I had fun with that. And then, um, Spider-Man hit and we've been busy just, in a ton of different ways. Yeah. Thankfully, Corey got to come down. We hung out with him. So I've actually only gotten to put maybe eight hours total time into Spider-Man. Some of that's just swinging around the city and having fun. Uh, but I'm looking forward to getting back into that so that we can have a good comprehensive impression. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's it for me as well. I'm trying to think of what I'm going to play after. I think I might hop in, uh, hop in a hyper light drifter. Yeah. Um, you need to. since I hadn't yet. Um, you know, I'm still thinking about your recommendations. So yeah, uh, fantastic game. I saw you want to go ahead and hop in to the drop. Sure. So for those that don't know, the drop is PlayStation's releases across all of this coming week, and uh, there's quite a lot in here, so we'll just go ahead and get started. Uh, first on the list, we have Black Clover Quartet Knights for PS4, a digital and physical release. We have Boundless for PS4, a digital-only release. Claws of Fury for PS4. Construction Simulator 2, U.S. Console Edition for okay. PS4. Interesting. Fossil Hunters for PS4. Marble Duel for PS4. NBA 2K19 for PS4, available digitally and physically as well. We have Did Nefarious that... for PS4. Am I wrong? I thought now, that, that came I thought out. the guy told us that at GameStop the same thing. Like I thought he told us it was that that's why people were there. So the drop may be wrong on this. Huh. I, I don't know. Uh, I thought that was kind of weird to be in this week's. Um, but uh, with the weird releases they do every week. Well, it depends week. on when, where Spider-Man's at, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, we have Neon Wall for PSVR. NHL 19 for PS4, available physically and digitally. Shadow of the Tomb Raider for PS4, available physically and digitally as well. Friday release, too. And it's a Friday release. Yeah, that is true. And uh, we have Stay for PS4 and PS Vita. We have Super Street The Game for PS4. Trickster VR Co-op Dungeon Crawler for PS VR. And we have V-Rally 4 for PS4, uh, digitally and physically interesting rally game there really wish dirt would come back it's not been that long since dirt right dirt's had I mean, a not PS4 dirt. No, no 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 motor storm oh man yeah i don't know how one of these days confused. something yeah. will happen that's a motor storm like it, it is still sad to see that uh onrush ended up tanking so much because people wanted motor storm me included to be fair uh and then it ended up falling through um it is what it is. A lot of the developers ended up getting moved different places, but some of them had to move on. Uh, I think the head developer for that game actually went to uh, Slightly Mad Studios, which is, uh, pro I think it's Project Cars. Um, oh. 
I could, I, Interesting. I'm pretty sure that's slightly Mad Studios. Speaking um, of all the car games, I still want to borrow Gran Turismo after yesterday. That was fun. And uh, I feel like that's a good break game from Spider-Man. Because Spider-Man is one of those weird kind of just to throw a thing of Spider-Man out there. I could, I could play for like four hours, but then certain weird pacing things that happen make me just kind of like want to take a break for a couple of minutes just because it gives you that kind of free downtime. But I thought that was interesting to throw in real quick. Yeah, Project Cars. Because I remember they were the people that made Need for Speed Shift, which is like the first offshoot of uh, Need for Speed. I've never heard of Then they of did Shift one. 2, which wasn't even like, it was still Need for Speed offshoot, but it didn't even say Need for Speed in the title. It's just called Shift 2. It's very odd. It was like a offshoot that became its own franchise for a little bit. That's super weird. It was very odd. Um, but racing games have a weird market, and they still go a bunch of different places. Need for Speed still being around is still interesting. I'm surprised no one's finally killed that off. But Yeah. That's interesting. So what do you think is the most exciting game for you this week? Nothing, really. Yeah. Shadow of the Tomb Raider is something I look forward to getting to eventually. Yeah. Uh, I did actually enjoy Rise. Uh, ended up playing it on computer because I didn't want to wait, and then I never got around to playing it again on PlayStation 4, even though it's a fine game. Um, in a lot of ways, I think Rise is better than the first one, not necessarily from a story standpoint, but from a general gameplay uh, standpoint. Uh, but that said, Shadow looks interesting. I don't know if it's just... Something about it looks off, and I don't know if it's just you know, evidence of it changing developer hands that it being possibly, it, it is weird to have a, a final game in a trilogy. Cause that's what this is. Um, go off to another developer. I feel like yeah. it'd be weird that crystal wouldn't want to just stick with it and finish it off. I don't know why they're not. I mean, I assume because of the Avengers setup. hard to say. Uh, we also don't even know where the Avengers setup is, like in terms of how far away that Avengers game is, where that moving goalpost is. We've heard about it so long ago around the same time that Spider-Man was getting first talked about that you feel like something's got to be coming over by now, but that could still be three years down the, down the line. It's interesting because, yeah. you know, you are working with uh, existing characters and existing worlds, which does help in the fact that you're not having to come up with completely original lore and stuff like that. No. So I would assume, and this is an assumption, that it would help with building a game because I think some of it comes down to, well, what world do you want to build? What do you want it to look like? Uh, with Spider-Man, it's like, well, we, we know that we want it to be New York and we want it to be Manhattan. What do we want to use our, as our inspiration? Uh, what parts of New York and where we've seen it before do we want to use? It kind of helps. Whereas, you know, when you're doing a game that's completely in a new in area or like God of War, where it's, you know, it's like, well, we're talking about the Norse wilds. Well, what is that? Nobody really knows. You can't, you know, it's, it's kind of, what, what do you imagine? And then how do you set up your lore? Yeah. That's not something that when you're working on Spider-Man, the lore is there, but what lore do you tap into? Exactly. So the same would presumably be uh, true of the Avengers. So I don't know. It's interesting to say, I, I think that we may be seeing it within the next year, but it'd be interesting to see if that's going to be an early -er next generation title. But that all depends on whether these reports that are back and forth about PS five being a 2019 thing are real or not. I still think it's possible. I've said 2019 for a long time. I hope time. so. Um, I would be excited. I think we've gotten plenty of value out of the PlayStation 4. Um, and, of course, we'll still get games up into that. So, you know, last uh, up into next year, we'll still get games. Right. Um, and some of the news makes me even think that we're still going to see more just because of the way they're hyping up these games. So, sure. Uh, we'll see. Why don't you uh, go ahead and hop into the news then? Okay. So, first up is uh, Metro Exodus uh, will apparently be... Decently long, with the developers stating that the game will be the length of the two previous games combined, which comes in around 25 hours. Uh, so, 
long by the standard of the series, not necessarily long by modern day games, but that also makes sense. Still long for a first person shooter though. Yeah. Well, and the first person shooters that I love, which are the very story driven, yeah, you know, big base. I love those. I mean, it's, it's very reminiscent. That's why I loved Metro, uh, Metro last light so much. Cause doing was only like what? 15 hours long. Yeah. Something that, like that sounds right, that and, it, and it wasn't even really very open. Uh, no. Doom Eternal looks like it's going more open. Which is, yeah, which is which crazy. Is cool. Um, anyway, uh, they said that there will be more time potentially for exploring, you know, how much you want to explore. Uh, the team feel they've struck a good balance between open-ended gameplay with linear design for story, which makes sense. If you've played the Metro series, you know that there's a very specific narrative line they want to go through. I think that what they're probably doing is finding a way for the narrative line to help facilitate open-ended gameplay but also have gameplay that will funnel you back in at times where you really need to to keep pacing yeah which is something that we've been talking about a lot uh, in certain games having pacing issues um so there's that and they also uh went into they were mentioning that they don't they're not the type of developer to do fetch quest just to pad the length of a game uh so you won't have anything like that but there will be open-ended exploring for you to kind of get to play around with the world, which is cool. I like that idea. Not that we really got to, we, like you saw it in last light. Cause it's like you had like wide linear or whatever you want to say. Like that's what uncharted kind of tokened it as, but you, you played last light and beat it, right? That's, beat the, that's, both the, of them? that's the, the second one. No, I've not played, beat the second one, but you've played it. I played. Yeah. Okay. Well, you may remember early enough in the game when you kind of get into these areas that are there, they are linear, but, but they're, they're open. They are. It's like the last of a style where it's like yeah. they're, they're open enough that there is room to facilitate exploration. Yeah. But how not, much bigger does that go with Exodus? Since yeah. It's going to be a next gen title. And what we saw so far looks like it's going for a much larger scale. Good. Cause so, these games have really cool and interesting stories. And I, I, I really got to get back and play the first two again on PS4 because I played them originally on Xbox One so I gotta get the trophies for those see it's always crazy when people say these things it's like what does this really mean but one of the things in this interview is also that um, the footprint of the first game fit within the entirety of the footprint or uh, in the footprint of one level of this game so it's one of those things where it's like so you're telling me the entirety of Last Light that's spatial wise like a footprint is taking place in the same one world don't worry, I mean, Last Light, you haven't beat it, but it's a it's not a small game by any standard. Well, even the first game, it's kind of hard to see that with. Yeah, because the first game's not small either. No. Uh, though it is smaller than Last Light. But, I mean, again, it, it was an early-er generation. It was like 2009, I want to say. Something like that, so yeah. For, for Xbox 360. Um, glad that the Redo ended up coming, or Redux, whatever you want to call it, ended up coming with it, because it was originally never on PS3, you know? Yeah, and... Uh... I have both of them because they they were on stuff like ten bucks for both of them. Yeah, no, I, I've got them on that's PC worth as well. It. They're very good games. Um, I, I thought about buying them just to see if I'd want to mess around with getting the platinum because I still have a uh, Last Light digitally on PS3. That's where I bought it. Random weekend, fine. I really loved it. Uh, next up, Shadow of the Tomb Raider's file size has been revealed. So if you were planning on picking that up from the list, it's going to be thirty point seventy three gigs, which is not awful. No, kind of interesting. And I wonder if that's going to hold up true on the Xbox One X version, where there's supposed to be some native four K texturing. Time, we'll see. Yeah, because 4K textures are big, so I would imagine that massive. It's going to be a massive difference, and whether they're on the disc already or if they have to be uh, installed as a separate download. Prepare to wait. We will see. Do. Yeah, man, the Spider-Man install took forever too. An hour and a half. An hour at least. Oh, you had to update. For some reason, I didn't. Yeah, That's something we still yeah, haven't figured he, out. Yeah, he had. A, he didn't have a day one update. I did. Um, 
collector's edition though i wonder i really do wonder if for some reason the collector's edition shipped with the update on disc it seems unlikely but it's possible uh let's see monster hunter world is continuing its great post-launch support with the autumn harvest event that will begin on september 21st and conclude on october 4th uh the event will bring nearly all of the challenge and event quests available in the past back uh and there will also be dedicated autumn harvest quests new costumes and more login bonuses uh one of those is like uh, double the lucky vouchers whenever you log in which is cool um, also on that, Monster Hunter World recently surpassed 10 million units shipped, still being Impressive. a ridiculous success. And oh, something yeah. interesting about that coming up. Um, so I'll go ahead and go to that. Actually, Final Fantasy 15 exceeded 8.1 million units sold worldwide since launch, and that's crazy. Considering that Monster Hunter World is a shorter-lived franchise. Yep. Up until recently in the West, it was much is more of a niche product over here. Oh, it's still much more of a niche product compared to Final Fantasy. Or it should be. I think that this game world now, really pushed yeah, it because they gave it a big push. But oh, yeah, no, yeah. up until this year, very much true. Um, that's crazy. You know, you think about it. And now, of course, that's it's across the same number of consoles. So in a shorter time, a lesser known series, though, I think, and I would have to actually see, I don't think, it, I wouldn't be surprised if Monster Hunter was outselling Final Fantasy in Japan. But it definitely wasn't happening over here. Yeah. Um, that would be interesting to see. But we'll see. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up out of just curiosity whenever we get done here because uh, I would imagine that's possibly true. Uh, but speaking of Final Fantasy 15, the Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition HD stealth released on PS4 this last week at $30. Now, why? Now, of course, I still got to say this. There's a two-week discount period that brings the game down 40% or whatever to $18. Perfect price. That is ridiculous. The, now, don't get me wrong. $18 is fine. Twenty dollars would have been fine. Twenty dollars is what it is on phone for every episode. Um, so when you're putting it on console all together, why would it not be twenty dollars as well? Doesn't matter that you went HD with it. I, I mean, I doubt a whole lot of. Well, I mean, some work had to be done. To be fair, but it's control stuff and it's things that you have to do to make the port make sense on the system. Um, it's apparently also looking to come to Switch, which is interesting, which probably is a, a more safe home for it. Yeah, that's, that, that's where, honestly, I think if I was to pick it up and try it again, because they cut out a lot of side content in that game. Yeah, for because for it's meant to be a streamlined Tells you how much, yeah, was side content could be 15. in the game. Uh, um, but, yeah, so didn't get a Vita release, though. And I know you're upset. I know a lot of people are upset now, about that. I'm upset about that, but I'm upset about it in the sense of, Square has supported Vita for a lot, and of course, it's a game that would do well in Japan on Vita, so I, I'm really confused that they didn't even do it in, in at least Japan. Um, but the fact that it also isn't coming to Switch yet is a little interesting, but my bigger qualm with it is that pricing. I just Even though you had to go yeah. back in and do a control scheme, because originally it was all set up for touchscreen, um, it doesn't mean that you just did $10 worth of work. Part of what porting a game is, is you have a game that is already there and what you're doing because we can make more money from this game elsewhere porting it over means that we're going to have to do a little bit of work to make sure that it makes sense on the console we're doing it but we'll be able to sell it for the same price and still make more money right wouldn't you be a little mad if let's say i'm trying to think of it would never happen but let's just give it an example for some weird reason breath of the wild is on switch right right let's just say for some reason that wasn't a nintendo property and it just came to switch first and then Six to eight months later, they were like, hey, we're going to release Zelda Breath of the Wild on PS4 and Xbox One now. Uh, we did the port, made sure that it's all good, made sure the textures look good for it, and it's playable, uh, but we're going to charge $20 more for it. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So suddenly the game is $80. It's just, and again, that's not a perfect metaphor. It's just saying that, why would that happen? I would not look at that. If anything, I would expect it to be a lower price or at least the same price. Definitely in the six to eight month window. I don't think it's unfair to go $20. Yeah. Now, if this was years later, 
and they still charge $10 more than the original price, I'd be like, come on, guys. Well, but, and I think that they know it's because it's going to sell well. So I think they kind of just put that in there, and then they put it on sale to get all the people who wanted a cheaper price to get it now, and then that anybody who wants it later on is just forced to pay that price. Or catch it on a sale, because I figure this is going to be a game that, that too, rotates yeah. through sales a lot. Yeah. It's just an interesting... I, I can't personally fathom why that makes sense as a business. I wonder if the price is really going to affect it. I feel like you're probably right in the sense that everybody who wants it but doesn't want to pay that much is going to jump on it now, and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we're doing good numbers. I'm hoping the number just drops off after that so that they're like, well, maybe we priced it too high. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that's that's a possibility, and that's that they should reconsider. Yep, it's a weird way to go with it. But uh, next up is more about Spider-Man uh, continuing their over-top over the top marketing for the game, Sony celebrated the launch of Spider-Man in Italy uh, by setting up a bus in a lake that was tipping into the lake, uh, and they actually had it set up to be portrayed like the webs. The webs were yeah, it. it's cool looking. Cool, but man, are they just really going all out on marketing for this game? And that's part of why I actually expected a slightly higher quality game. Uh, <laughs> well, we a slightly higher. Regardless of quality, I can't speak too much about it because I'm not far enough. Right. Uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, from what you're doing now, nothing changes. Nothing gets what you think would be better. Okay. I mean, I, I, I trust you in that. So um, I just find it interesting because, like, World End brought that up, too. The marketing hype behind it was so big. Of course, it's Spider-Man. They want to hype. They want to market it because it's going to sell. But they were doing it so over the top that I was like, man, they must have played this and been like, holy crap, guys, you don't even realize how much of a hit we have on our hands. This is going to sell bucket loads because the word of mouth is going to be so fantastic. And I mean, it even did anyways. Uh, of course. And, and the word of mouth is going to be very positive around the beginning. And this isn't to say it's a bad game by no No, yeah, I don't even think what I'm saying is making the game out to be a It is interesting game. that it ended up at an 87 Metacritic. Not a bad score at all. No, Lower but, than I expected. Yeah, it was just a little bit lower. I, I thought it would sit right at 90 at least, but it is what it is. Not every game can go up there, and that's really a good thing. You know, not every game can be the same. And somebody mentioned that it's not a problem in terms of some people that aren't liking Spider-Man as much. It's not a problem of the game itself. It's a problem of what year it's releasing in. So when you compare it to other games releasing this year, it falls a little flat. Um, I mean... That's yeah, you know, I can kind of see that, but then again, when you go into a I, superhero again, I haven't game, beat it, so I'm not, I'm more, you know, spouting off what I've heard from a couple of other people, but I yeah. think that's interesting. Uh, so anyway, uh, also on Spider Man, all of the Spider Man DLC releasing this year will be taking place in Manhattan, so they will not be expanding the map into any other parts of New York, which is a little disappointing, but not surprising at all, considering that the you know, the, the game went gold in September. Uh, they started working on this day one update, at least a small team, you would imagine, while the rest of the team moved on to DLC. You And since the first one's coming in October, like late October, right, mid to late, uh, and then there's one coming about a month or so after that and then a month or so after that, uh, they've been... Boy, I keep hitting this thing today. Um, you would imagine that they've been... They're working at such a pace to get the DLC out that it makes most sense that they wouldn't be building a new, even if smaller, area to also expand into. But yeah. it's a little disappointing because I don't know yet I'm just hoping that Manhattan doesn't get a little boring. Yeah, I, don't know. I will say I finally got the suit in the game that I was really wanting to unlock, and I was like, it's actually a suit that is really cool to use. I'll tell you off camera. Yeah, um, I like the suit power setup, and I was going through that last night. Oh, let's see. Uh, THQ Nordic, this is good news. Uh, recently acquired the rights to Kingdoms of Amalur IP from 38 Studios, so I would imagine that this is likely to get the treatment that their MO has become. I've talked about it a little bit on Twitter, but basically... What THQ Nordic is known for uh, is constantly buying other franchises and other IP and other rights and then basically re-releasing them to try and get a new crowd 
coming into them. And if they do high enough to justify a sequel, they go on and push for the sequel. And one thing I like about that is that they do very reasonably priced um, remasters. They've all been really well done. I think uh, Darksiders War Mastered Edition was $20 brand new. That's for awesome. All three, or for all two games, not three. Three, well, eight. no, it's $20 for just the first game. Uh, Darksiders 2, when it first launched, was 40 but the game was still relatively new. Um, I must have picked it up on a digital sale then. Yeah, they did have a combo. That I think bundled it was like it. 20 yeah. or 30 Yeah, a little I, bit I, later Yeah, I got it for road. 20 Yeah, it was uh, the Furies bundle or whatever. Something um, like that, yeah. But um, it's they've done it on everything, right? So they started off as Nordic games, and that's who bought the Darksiders rights and a couple of other THQ rights for games. Uh, they went through, did the Darksiders 2 remaster, went back and did the Darksiders 1 remastered. Then, they were, and then suddenly they just bought out the THQ namesake and then slapped it onto their name and became THQ Nordic. But it's interesting because now they've bought Red Faction. Yeah, they've got all the. I mean, you know, they've they've basically expanded into all these weird games. I think that they technically own Saints Row now, um, because the the parent company that owns THQ Nordic bought Saints Row, so they would have the ability. It may not be them. Who knows what ends up happening? Uh, but Saints Row coming into different hands is interesting because I think Deep Silver had it for a while. Um, then we may see a lot of the THQ series that people had like a really uh, cult style love for. Uh, you know, in cult classic style love for um, coming back from them. So I hope that this leads to a sequel because I don't know, Saul, did you ever play Kingdoms of Amalur? I always saw it sitting in Super other in places, but I never played it. Super interesting. And it's got a weird world. And actually, if I had to compare it to any RPG that I've played, uh, that Western RPG, I think the closest thing to it would be Fable closest and that's still not perfect but it's got a lot of charm and weird weird characters enemies has a great art style it's very colorful it looks very pretty oh yeah and it's got really cool the the idea of how you set up your character that's very really cool if i remember the wording right you have like fate cards and you pull fate cards in and that's how you change like what your character build is based around uh it's been really fun i haven't played the game since it came out on launch but i still do have it for ps3 so i hope if we get a remaster it's 30 dollars or under that'd be fantastic but it was a cool game it came out late i think 2012 uh, it was a very weird release schedule for us so we ended up getting overshadowed by a couple of things um but it's a cool game i like it a lot it, it looks really cool and and you're pretty spot on with um the um oh, reference to uh, fable. fable yeah yeah just there's something about it that has a you know and, and i loved fable for a long time uh, it's one of the only games that xbox ever had since i was never big on halo uh that really just pulled me in i was like now and it was funny when they killed it off i was like well that's sad but you know different thoughts on all the series anyway uh, let's see a couple more things between September 11th and 18th players will be able to get the battlefield one premium pass free of charge. And lastly, and very interestingly, death stranding will be at Tokyo game show this year in a stage show presented by Kojima and the Japanese cast members, uh, rightfully so, uh, rightfully so considering where it's located at, um, better that, get that release date that's interesting yeah that, how much will we see more of the game or will it be more of a celebration about what the game is trying to do and you know they give kojima a lot of wiggle room because he's so he's so known that i could see them just letting him go up on stage and just talk very vaguely about the game and then just showing off some of the cast members just because it's it's good show for them like oh everybody loves kojima let's just put him out here as much as we can we've already seen that game show uh, the game awards uses him because everybody loves kojima yeah and so they're doing that. They've used him at a couple of events with E3 and then you know, PSX. They've done panels and stuff. He's obviously great for PR. People love being able to talk about him and report on him. So we'll see if we see more about this game actually or not. But the other thing is, if there's a PSX, since we don't have a date, I wonder if the game gets also more at PSX. And what I'm basically saying is the more that they continue to show it, 
the more I'm like, is this actually going to be a 2019 release? I'm I'm still betting it is, but we'll see. Especially at uh, uh, TGS. Now I'm really excited for TGS more so than I normally am, which yeah. is yeah, kind of interesting because I'm more so excited for PSX than I normally like. Or I'm more excited for PSX in general over TGS. Now it's like we don't know if we're getting a PSX. So and this now may getting, be the yeah yeah. So. I just don't know. I like TGS because of all the Japanese games in them. I, play, I don't play all the uh, Japanese games, but it's cool seeing a lot of, like, Neo was announced there whenever they redid Neo. There's a lot of cool stuff that you end up seeing there that's very Japanese-focused, and the only, it's not annoying, but the only downside to it for me is that it's harder for me to just slap on and listen to and then look when I have to when I'm working, so I have to be very focused on it and be, like, paying attention to the subtitles that are being given. Sometimes they do it where they have a, a narrator if you watch one version, and then they kind of overcast it. It's interesting. We'll see. Huh. So it turns out in June, uh, to kind of fill Ryan in, because I know Ryan was talking to this, in June they said that they are unsure of any press conferences by the end of this year. Well, press conference is one thing, but that's not PSX. PSX is an event. Now, whether it has a press conference or if they go back and do what they did last year where it's a stage show and like not a keynote but more like a discussion between devs and stuff, they could do that and that'd be fine, and I'm cool with that. I want the event to be there because I just want to be able to go and – look at new games and cool indies and stuff. That's kind of where I want to go with it. And who knows? Death Stranding may even be a playable doubtful, but <laughs> that'd be crazy. It would be. Um... So that was the end of the news. Um, so if you want to go ahead and pull up our reader mail and see what we have in that department, and I will check Facebook real quick. Sure. So for those that don't know, reader mail is our episode to episode segment in which we ask a reader mail question on twitter on wednesdays and fridays over there at triangle sqrd on twitter and uh, basically you ask us questions and then we take three questions we answer them per show uh with what we uh, with corresponding with the uh, reader mail tweets and we take all the rest of the questions we throw them into a file and we read those on our monthly reader mail episodes that come out every or the first friday of every month we're going to start off this one with uh, good old, our good old buddy Josh. He says, my, my son loves this game so much that we put in three hours into the demo. What was the last demo that you played over and over because you love the game so much? And it is a, a demo for Captain Toad Treasure uh, Tracker. Is that the, the game Switch. that was Wii U originally, right? I, I, I or do they know. do another one? I, I, I don't know. keep up with uh, like offshoot Mario games. Yeah, I just remember Blaze actually weirdly liking the game. And it, it was an interesting thing for that. And that makes sense, though. Him and the kids being able to play and just sink time into yeah, it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, Saul, do you have one that you just know off the top of your head? Because I definitely have one. I, I do. Uh, unfortunately, for people who say we talk a little too much about Xbox, it's going to come from my Xbox Origins uh, 360, actually. But there's two. Uh, Shadow Run, back when it was the first-person shooter, the version that came out in, like, 2007. Oh, yeah, was, it was technically, it wasn't an online battle? Yeah, it was, but you could play bots with yeah, friends. Yeah, I do remember that. And so, like, for one summer, we were playing Guitar Hero 2 and 3, and it was pretty much just Shadow Shadow uh, Run bots, bot matches with uh, friends. And that uh, was just take turns. Yeah, and we just constantly oh, played the demo. The cool. other demo was Viva Pinata. I never owned Viva Pinata, but I played the demo more than most people probably played the game when they bought it. <laughs> I played the demo for probably hundreds of hours. The demo was so fun. You know um, what's weird about Viva Pinata? That was was it a rare franchise? I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, it made its way over to DS. I thought originally that it was an Xbox exclusive. Well, and it could be that um, Rare Chrome Studios. So Chrome Studios and Rare. Uh, so probably with Nintendo always, you know, having that weird relationship with Rare, probably after the whole Bungie or Bungie Banjo Kazooie buyout, 
they may have just gave them the rights to use it for a 3DS or DS title, whatever. Yeah, I don't it was. know. It's interesting. I never knew there was a Viva Pinata game on DS. Yeah, and I didn't realize until one day I was randomly looking. I was like, why is this game on DS? It doesn't make sense for, uh, yeah, Pocket Paradise. That's really cool. So I is thought it, it was weird because at the time I thought that at that point. THQ. I, was Rare not owned by Microsoft at that point? Maybe not. They may have been in a in a. Free, this, well, this came space. out. This came out in two thousand eight, which I'm pretty sure the original uh, View Pinata came out in two thousand and seven or eight. Yeah, that sounds right. So, man, that's crazy. Yeah, but, I did not know that. Uh, mine is on PS3. Uh, skate, boy, I played that skate demo left and right, and it, it was the perfect demo. Do you remember it? I do. You're just in the skate park. In the like, very beginning. Yeah. It's a perfect skate park. You have a good you area, had, and you had 30 the, minutes to play. Yeah, you had the bowl. You had all the rails you could go on. You had all the half... You had, like, what, two half pipes, I think? Yeah. And then a lot of quarter pipes. It was everything. I had that on Xbox 360. I didn't think about that until now. Yeah. Dude. That was good. I played that so much because literally you just play 30 minutes. It would say you're done. Then you could just exit and start it again. Exactly. You just, you just And I was super it. into skateboarding at the time. I still love skateboarding. I just don't have the time to do it anymore, sadly. It's part of growing up. And definitely whenever I moved out of the country, I really had to stop because I had nowhere to do it. Yeah, you'd have to get a mountain board um, out there. But man, I... I played the Skate 1 demo probably more than I played Skate 1 by the time that I'd played it and beaten it. And that's sad. I really wish they had remastered those games. I know they're Dude, not, but, you know. I would kill for Skate is 1. Is Skate on Steam? I don't think so. With I don't controller think it's ever support? Because if it is... Go ahead and grab it on there. Dude, I am. Yeah, I really nope, want a new not. Skate. And then the other part of it that sucks is that Project Session is coming to Xbox so far as the only console uh, and PC. And I'm sure that's because of the development... Um, you know, being easier between the two, but a little disappointing because yeah. I do want a new skate game. That's like one of those weird things where skate games were so prevalent from like 2000, excuse me, from like, well, really, they were prevalent going back to the Tony Hawk Pro Skater series. Yeah, they were. But they really got big from like 2003. No, 2000. Go ahead and go back all the way to 2000. Tony there, Hawk Pro Skater 1. Yeah, but there wasn't, Tony Hawk wasn't coming out every year with big games, like where everybody But was, I'm saying 2000 was sure. the start of like what I would consider growing up in that time to be the yeah, 2000, like 2009. Pro Skater, Pro Skater 2, of course, was Pro Skater when, 3 and 4. Yeah, uh, skateboarding, skateboarding and stuff took got, off. Yeah, skateboarding got really big and around the time that they started pumping up the games. That's right, like American Wasteland had a big marketing budget oh, that for That game was so bad. It wasn't very good. Project 8 was cool. I didn't play Project 8. But it was 8. very arcadey, but it was really cool. Um, and I played it a lot. Of course, the Skate Series happened, uh, and it was weird because the Skate Series was like the first real competitor to Tony Hawk, and it was try it was doing so in such a different way. Well, and it came at a time in which there were no good Tony Hawk games. Yeah, because that was when Tony, Tony Hawk, Hawk was getting Thug into, like, Two wasn't even good to me. Like I didn't know like Thug, Thug One two. was awesome. Thug, Thug Two was Thug, fun, but it was it was over the top too. Uh, in a Thug bad way. One was the best of all, was still the best skating game of all time to me at that time. No, of all time to me. Skate definitely beats it. No, it personally. doesn't. The fact that you can get off your skateboard and run around, all the pro skaters in the game you can go out and talk to, like Bam Margera and stuff. Just, okay, you could do every bit of that in skate. <laughs> I'm talking about the time. You couldn't do that at the time. When did that come out? 2003? That sounds reasonable. Maybe 2005? No, no 2005. 2005 or six. I was in junior high school when it came out. But uh, You're going to find out. 2003. Boy, I'm good. Dang, I don't remember it being that early. I guess it was. Cause I, think, I, I think Pro Skater 2 was 2005 or 6, because then it ended up being a uh, 2004. It was a year later. You mean Thug 2. You said Pro Skater 2. Oh, yeah, sorry. Thug 2. Thug 2 was like, we rented Thug 2. We didn't buy it, but we had bought Thug 1. Yeah. And Thug 2 was fantastic. There's that stupid Bigfoot 
crap in that game too. You said Thug Two was fantastic. You mean Thug One? No, I, I should say that. Yeah, Thug One was fantastic. I got you. Uh, anyway, that's yeah, that's definitely one. I can't think of another one. You played the hell out of that Octopath demo. I can't yeah. think of another demo that I played. I guess that's another one. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Demos haven't been as prevalent lately. You know what I mean? No, they haven't. And like that, they started making a comeback and then they went. Well, that's, I seen that's why I had to go to last gen. It's because like I haven't really played a demo this gen that like really. Knack Two is like one of the only demos I can even think about that I played. I mean, it's mostly free trials now. Yeah. Or betas. Yeah, because so many games are going towards the online side. Which is what I like about Nintendo is a lot of their games on the Switch have demos. Yeah, and that's and like cool. true demos. Definitely. Um, I wish more more developers would bring it back. I, I, I mean, I think Sony would be somewhat wise. Definitely with a game like Spider Man, there should be a demo for Spider Man. I get the under, yeah, I, there should be. I understand the argument against it, which is that you're having to take out and cut a slice and create false barriers and things like that, and you're putting you're spending time on that. Oh, you can give it an hour, like um, the first hour of the game. I think that'd be interesting. The demo would just literally be a game like Spider Man. You just be like, the demo is just playing the first because in the first thirty. Well, that's minutes, what a traditional demo is, anyways. Yeah, this, but you, and, and just have it to where you download the whole game. You, it's a demo, but it, it basically it's time trial at that point is the is the problem because it really is. But that's what that's what Skate was. It was just a time trial. They didn't call it that. Kinda, yeah. Uh, I mean, and it, and it wasn't point, set up to where if you, it's still a demo though. Like, yeah, it, it still it is because it could, I, the, the the to me. A trial and a demo are more closely related than a trial and a beta, or a demo and a beta, or sure. demo and early access. Sure. So, it's weird. Too many names for everything nowadays. With yeah, games. I think the cool thing about time trials, though, is that they let your progress carry forward. Yes. Whereas skate, that even though you had thirty minutes of playing a game that was an area that was completely in the game, you couldn't just go and buy the game directly after, and then it was already downloaded. You could just start playing it past the barrier that was originally there. Right. So, eh, mixed bag. But I think it would be cool to see more people. Um, do that stuff. Oh man, there was a question and I screwed up and moved on past it. So that's well, here, I'll go ahead and grab, uh, Sean wants to know, congratulations on your run. My guy, that's uh really impressive. What you just, uh, you shared our discord. Speaking of which, uh, discord links are in the description if you want to join, <laughs> but yeah, uh, congratulations on that. I know you've been working hard and he earned $500 for charity for gaming. Well, 500 pounds, or pounds, euro, yeah. euro whatever. I, I don't know the, the symbol, well enough, but I think it was pounds. Yeah, it's pounds. So, uh, congratulations on that. He uh, he asked if you could be any animal or species from a game, which one would you be and why? For me, he wants to be a Moogle, Koopo. Dude, it's funny that he answered that way because that's totally my answer. Is it really? I really tried thinking about like what what would I want. See, because like you you don't want it to be just a, a like okay. So I, I love Sly Cooper, right? And I do like raccoons are cool as hell, but a raccoon's a real creature. If we, I'm trying to dig in and be like, I want to be something that doesn't truly exist. What would I want to be? Lombax is pretty cool. I mean, I've always liked Ratchet and Clank, and I always thought that was a very interesting looking character design and just a cool uh, creature. But the more I go into it and I think about it, it's like, who? Which one would I want to embody the most? And I love the way the Koopos act. You know, just being like, "What's up, dude? I'm gonna kind of chilling." Cheat. I'm going to say a High Elf from the Elder Scrolls series, which kind of cheating. It's a different species. Well, I guess it's not really. An, does he say animal specifically? Yeah, he, says, he says animal or species. Animal slash species. Okay. So I'm going to say either, oops, uh, High Elf or Argonians. Just, I don't like the way Argonians look, but like you could breathe underwater. Yeah, that's a good point. I want <laughs> There's also a good point for Khajiit. Uh, just because I would like to walk around and speak like I just there's something that's so ingrained in my memory about Jazargo from Skyrim. You remember him and the the major skill? Him and um, what was the running liar Malik? 
Oh, yeah. The what, what about the traveling one that would always be like, Kajita's wares? Oh, if you have coin. That's kind of just the barter thing they say. Like the I ones, love it. The ones in the camp in front of Whiterun would I say love that. It. I love it. But uh, did, you, did you get the question from Facebook pulled up? I oh. did. I don't know. And I don't know if I can go quite this in-depth without some time and thought effort. That's a really good one. But uh, Kiki asks, what five video game battle themes would you have someone listen to in order to really get a feel for you, your taste? So basically, oh what five songs would you give to somebody and go, this is accompanying, uh, this is fully representative of my taste in, in battle music and games? Or even just music. I guess it could extend past that. I may have to answer this in Discord. I don't know if I have an answer for this. Dude, this is a long, I, I really, I read it as soon as I pulled it back up. I was like, oh man, I'm trying to really think about that. Because it's, it's a very long one. Um, very quickly, I want to say that most of the near ones are just super bad A. Uh, trying to limit it down to one, I'm curious. Does become gods count? Become as gods? Yeah, does that count? Uh, see, it's been a little while since I played Nier Automata, but is become as gods the song that's, With the boss battle, yeah. that's playing at the uh, very end when you're flipping between? I mean, it starts, I don't want to say too much. It starts in a boss battle, and then you have to run out. I remember that. I'm trying to remember the song that was going on. I don't think it's that. It's been a little while since I've listened to this. Can I just say the first five songs in Nier? Like the second one, because it's that good. In Nier Automata? Man, I know the song name. It's killing me. I haven't listened to the OST in a little bit because I've you know, been listening to other stuff. You know, we have that uh, uh, community curated topics in uh, Discord. I'm definitely going to put a detailed list there. And uh, you guys will probably see it before. Well, maybe not because this episode is going to go up on Monday, which is tomorrow for us. So I may not be able to have enough time. So really think one of one out. But yeah, for those that are watching, y'all throw that in our community curated topics uh, in uh, Discord because I want to hear people's. Because right now I'm just blanking. Man, it is killing me that I can't. Rockman theme in, in Mega Man's good when you're battling him. But yes. then again, I'm trying to think of like what else like because I'm well, trying to think of think about battle tra- themes. Because I will say most traditional sense of battle themes in which it's a it's a theme in which you're fighting a certain enemy specifically tied to him. Yeah, that's very very specific. Which is something that games have moved away from a little bit. They typically reuse songs a lot. I actually do think Near kept songs for each one to some extent. Yeah, good variety. Um, because there's the one that plays while you're fighting Simone, that's really cool, um, and it's um, Simone. Yeah, a beautiful something. Um, Who is Simone? Oh, uh, the the I don't again. I don't want to say too much, but no, the, they, the big red one that shoots orbs that is in the the opera the opera house. Yeah, a beautiful song. Is, is her name really, really Simone? Cool. Yeah, that doesn't that didn't sound right to me at all. You learn it in later parts of the game. I know that. Yeah, I just. That's a cool one. Pascal's theme. Whatever yeah, that's I love going Pascal. on is very pretty. Um, and I don't think that that's actually the name Man, of it. Man, I cannot wait to replay that game. Dude, like, the, yeah, Pascal. That is the name of the song. You got the platinum for that game, right? Yes. Okay. That's Absolutely. I'm only no near plat Brett because the I've not one. gotten it for the first game because it's way more of a drag. And I and it's really hard for me to go back and play that game on PS3 in comparison to after playing Nier Automata. Playing Nier Automata before... Go- I should have gotten it before playing Nier Automata, which is originally my goal. I screwed that up. It's still a fun game, and I love it, but grinding it out isn't near as fun. It's more fun when you're playing through the story. Um, well, thank you, Kiki, for the question, because we're, we're, we're going to... I want to think more on it, and I will try yeah, and give you a real I'm answer. I'm going to advise everybody who listens to this that wants to partake or who does partake in our Discord to throw theirs in there. Or anywhere else. Um, Shoot them to us on Twitter or yeah. Facebook group. I don't care. Yeah, we, yeah any, any place is fine. We have Richard Rivera keeping up with a recent tradition saying, what are your guys' favorite PSVR memories? Um, can't really answer this one to a certain extent because I don't own PSVR. 
But I will say that playing Resident Evil 4, or 4, I don't know where 4 came from, Resident Evil 7, when you uh, put the headset on me for like the 30 minutes I played it, was really, really fun. Man. I yeah. really want to play Gran Turismo now in VR, like with the steering wheel and everything. Oh, dude, it's if I cool. had If I had time to like do play that today, I, I would definitely. I like, really wish that I could get the, the racing uh, seat that I've been wanting to get set up. I need to look into that more because if I can do that, I don't even know if VR would feel so so on yeah. the nose. It's really cool. Uh, yeah, you, that's something you definitely need to do. It's so, really cool because you're right in the cockpit. It's oh man. I guess that's yours then. Probably. I don't know. I, I really did like. Um, it's not, there's there's a really weird fun to be had with Job Simulator, and that is true. It, yeah, it's so goofy. But I remember it so well because it's just over-the-top ridiculousness. I mean, Resident Evil 7 is really super compelling because it's, it's the best use of VR I've still seen outside of Gran Turismo. But that's because racing games are an obvious choice because you're, you sit stationary. It's easy to trick your brain into. Um, Resident Evil did a fantastic job of doing it with real full-time 3D movement. Yeah, uh, and it's still like I said, it's still the best example. For, I mean, Farpoint was good, and there's a lot of games I haven't gotten to dig into that I've been really wanting to. I did like um, uh, Accounting Plus again, over the top fun and just stupidity. Uh, stupidity. It's it's a very fun way to experience VR, and it, it's almost more. Me- it's not more memorable, but it's almost super memorable because of how ex- how unique to VR it's trying to be by making things that are only funny. I'm not gonna say only funny, but they're obviously heightenedly funny because of the VR experience. Like you mentioned that about like job simulator is fun. You wouldn't necessarily want job simulator as a normal game. It's fun because VR allows it to be immersive and goofy. Yeah. Whereas if you were just doing that with a controller, it wouldn't feel as fun. Absolutely not. Um, and that's why I say, I mean, it's one of those perfect examples of where VR plus motion controls can make a really, really unique experience. So, um, there's that one game coming out for VR, or I don't know if it's coming out for PSVR. It might be already, for all I know. But it's the rhythm game where you have to like use the mo- like the whatever Beat the- Saber. Yeah, yeah, is that it, out is for VR? Co- it is coming to PSVR. Dude, I, I want to play that for real. Like that game looks fun. Yeah. So, oh man. And again, that's something that people people do like those types of games outside of VR. Uh, but I, they like are, I think they are games that are more interesting when you feel them coming at you and you feel like you're that much yeah. more into the... And it's it's very technical. Like It's not just hitting the blocks that's coming at you. Some of them you have to like... Slice in weird ways. You have to step to the side too. It's it's Oh man, I'll buy that for you. We'll play that when it comes out because I am excited for that. I'm cool. Yeah, I, I, I assume it'll be reasonably priced. $20. 20 to 30 Yeah, 20 yeah. to 30 That seems reasonable for what it's trying to do. Uh, and I, to an extent, you pay the VR tax on some games where it's because of how Just like weird the Nintendo the, tax. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just it's a thing. Raised it's a thing. But uh, um, we'll go ahead and move into our main topic. Uh, thanks to Mr. Dan Al-Hazred. Huz- I think I pronounced that. Al-Hazred. Al-Hazred. I hope Al-Hazred. we pronounced that right. It may, the H may be silent. Al-Hazred. Yeah, Dan, one of these days, tell us how you say your last name. I have pretty good memory. Oh, by the way, Josh wanted me to tell you that it is Ayers. By the way, uh, you were wrong. Josh Ayers? <clears throat> he said I have permission yeah, to slap I know you. I saw that part. <laughs> I don't want you to smack me. I will um, slap you. But uh, Dan asked us a question on Reader Mail, which I think is still, it, it was a really good question that I wanted to talk a lot, or not a lot, a lot on or whatever, but you know more on than what a Reader Mail question will lend its way to. And I think it's also a prevalent topic uh, in this kind of gaming area we're going into real soon. But um, Dan says, CD Projekt Red are aiming for current-gen consoles with Cyberpunk. Realistically, that game will be hampered by current console hardware. I assume they also don't want to release it early in the next gen. While the install base is small, what to do? 
compromise with cross-gen game. So basically, it's it's to the point now, and it's it, it's anytime we eclipse a console generation, we get to this point in which there are going to be games that are going to come out on both consoles. They're they're going to come out on the PS4, the PS5, whatever it's called. And because of that, the game on the PS5 isn't its full potential because it had to be ported to the PS4. Yeah, so and it's basically very it has noticeable. to work across both. Yeah. It, uh, one of the early examples was Call of Duty Ghost uh, being one of the earliest. God, yeah, it was so it ugly, dude. It looked awful. Like, and it's the problem was... What else was it? Huh? Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm trying to think mentally. Well, yeah, but Call of Duty Ghost is your perfect example, right? Because it... Do you... Re- so I know that you didn't play Shadowfall, but when you look at a game like Shadowfall that still holds up, I did up play to today, Shadowfall. I just didn't beat it. I got like an hour, like three hours in. Oh, I thought you just played multiplayer over at my house one day. No, I didn't know you played. It by I yourself. did the whole thing with drones, and it was too hard. Okay, well then you understand the point of what I'm talking about, though. When you look at a game like that. And you see what Shadowfall looked like versus what Call of Duty Ghosts looked like. It made Ghosts look that much worse. It was like, I can't believe this is a next-gen game. Destiny. Or supposed to be. Watch Dogs. Watch Dogs is a perfect example of it. Battlefield that. 4. Yeah, like these are Call of, Duty, Call of Duty Ghosts, of course. These are games that um, that are really prevalent. And Dragon how, Age Inquisition. That, wow. Now, I will say that game is the prettier of all these. Dude, the prettiest. It, yeah, but it's, have you seen it on PC? It's beautiful. I've not PC. seen it on PC. Now, Dying Light is surprising because Dying Light actually doesn't look bad on PS4. It I, just didn't, do- I didn't know that was a cross-gen. I didn't either. But uh, The Evil Within is for sure one that you can tell. I, mean, I do mean for sure. The Wolfenstein, mm, for sure. That game Metal Gear Solid Five, not so much, but I can tell there is limitations on the game, especially with the controversies around it. Thief, you played Thief on PS4, mm, right? I did. Could you kind of tell anything there? Uh Interesting. The game was in weirdly small segments that you moved through and that would kind of load between. So on PS4 at the time, it was actually pretty detailed. Um, But it was like you felt the confines more in the way the game was designed because of it being small areas. So even though the game looked really pretty on PS4 for what it was trying to do, there was a couple of things that came through, but it was more like this game was designed to work on a PS3. This wasn't designed in a way like when you play Killzone, right? And another example, but Killzone took the idea of a shooter that's normally very linear, definitely on PS3, and really just blew it out. Like, now you can go over here, you can do these objectives in your own order, uh, and you can get through them in different ways. I can go to them, and it made very big spaces. So you start to look at that, and that starts to be, don't get me wrong, Killzone Shadowfall was beautiful as a launch title. It's still beautiful. But you saw more of it in the way the game was designed. They thought about it like, this is a next-gen game. What do we want our idea of a next-gen shooter to be? Yeah, but you take that and you open it up and you remove load screens between areas and you give people the Freedom. ability to choose things because now you're not limited by how much space you have. So you have to force them into this linear thing. Well, now you can do both and say they, they, they both have to be done, but you can tack them in your own order. Yeah. Or they all three have to be done, but you can go in your own order because we now no longer have this loading limitation that we originally did. So you see that on cross-gen games and that's something. So. Um, do you have anything else you want to add off of that? Because I was going to go into the fact that we've had a little bit of this discussion in Discord with World End uh, when we were talking about it. Uh, he was already saying that he, he before it was completely announced whether it was going to be a, a current-gen game or a next-gen game, uh, he was saying he thought it was going to be current-gen. Uh, but another thing he brought up, uh, not to hop back onto the downgrades um, train, but he brought up the fact that Witcher 3 was noticeably downgraded from what they showed it running as as what they wanted to hit and what they were aiming for. And what that, we saw was PC gameplay for Project Red. Exactly. I mean, for Project Red, for exactly. Cyberpunk. And very expensive. 100%. Like, wasn't it 5000 Then they say it was a $5,000 I'm PC? sure it was running dual t- uh, 1080 uh, TIs with... 
probably 32 gigabytes of RAM. So maybe, if and, nothing else, like a $1,500 PC, if nothing else. Oh, no, yeah. It's, that's $1,500 for those two graphics cards, plus alone. a good processor alone, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's one of those things that kind of like, it almost goes back to what we were talking about in the, the end of last Reader Mail episode, is that for me, I have a kind of pretty solid opinion on this. And what it is is that there's a selfish part of me that says, no, I want these new games to be on the new consoles and not on the old ones because I want the experience of a, of a current or the next gen console when I get it. I don't want to experience something that's being hampered by something I've been playing for the past you know five years. The other side of me is like, well, then that means that people who don't have enough money can't afford the new games on these new consoles because they're not on PS4, which kind of good now that Microsoft is doing that with Xbox. Didn't think of that in that kind of realm in which sure. now that that may ha- not be a thing anymore you have to worry about is it may affording not. a new console. Yeah, yeah that, that's we still like right now we know that Xbox is taking that route, but will they continue with their actual next gen machine? Yeah. We have every reason to believe they will, but who knows? It's going to be uh, it's going to be very intriguing to kind of watch it all play out. But um. But what I was saying the last time is that somebody made a statement saying that the beginning of this gen and the end are wildly different than the beginning of PS3 and the independent PS3. I think that when a PS5 comes out, what we're going to see in terms of upgrades isn't going to be massive leaps to what is coming out by the end of this gen. So if it is dual launched on both uh, across generations, I don't think it's going to be as bad as what we saw from PS4 to PS3. In terms of Call of Duty Ghost and all these other games. So this is kind of tying back into what we were talking about that day. Yeah. Uh, so this was an episode last week to some extent. No, no, it was, just, it was a reader question. It was the reader was mail question. At That's the right. very end, yeah. Uh, talking about... Or it wasn't a reader mail question. It was a Twitch question from Kiki. Really? I thought that was from uh, I thought that was from Dan. The same guy who actually did this. I think he was asking what could consoles do to really push uh, the next well, yeah, limitation. I think I think though that Kiki or maybe it was even World in that brought it up in the Twitch chat about that. You oh, know, the, the endings and beginnings of both gens. Sure, maybe. Uh, and I got what you were saying there, but so I guess the way, you know you're talking the way that it affects cross gen games is is obvious. The games are not able to be optimized to a point of where they're really showing off. So here's one of my biggest argument I want to say against that uh, is specifically from the company themselves. So it's not even about what another game did. You actually got to look, and it helps that this True, on a, on a, a game-by-game game basis. Did. So when you're looking at CD Projekt Red as a developer, and you look at what decisions they made since they're not beholden to a publisher, um, what, they were, what they basically decided is that they wanted to make The Witcher 3 for next-gen consoles, even though when they started making The Witcher 3 and developing it, they actually aimed for it to be on last-gen consoles. Which they, is crazy. Yeah, so what they were what they decided was these new consoles are going to afford us a lot more power to make this game the way that we really envision it. Uh, and then some of it was stuff that they didn't even know because they were kind of learning as they were going into this open world setup. Again, they were iterating themselves to there from The Witcher 1 and 2. So when they leaned themselves up to that, it was one of those setups where you basically watched... Um, <laughs> Kyrie's trying to open the door. Um Hey, Kyrie, I'm working. <laughs> anyway, um, it was one of those things where you saw The Witcher 1 and 2 happen, and then when they were moving into 3, <laughs> kids are She so just ran away crying. <laughs> Poor um, Kyrie. When they did that, they knew that they were going to kind of stumble into it because you're working with new con- hardware that you weren't quite uh, affiliated with. Yeah. And, of course, it came out. The game ended up coming out in 2015. Yeah. All right, so that's important to talk about, too. So it came out. 
a year and a half or so into because the, the PS4 came out in November of 2013. Yeah. So when this game came out in like March or May or whenever it was, April, somewhere in that window. I think um, it's April, right? Or May? Something like that. But anyway, when it came out uh, in 2015, the market, the console been on the market for about a year and a half. Right. All right. So, of course, of the two, of the consoles that you had sitting around, you had 80 plus million PlayStation 3s, 80 plus million Xbox 360s to make the game for. But they opted instead to make the game the way they wanted it to and instead went over to the PS4. They took a bet and they, they bet right. PS4 did not crash like everybody thought it was going to. Uh, Xbox One didn't either. The next generation started off with a bang, both consoles selling a million units day one, right? That's awesome. By the time that they were a year and a half in, the PlayStation was already, I, I, this is guesstimation. I can't remember the exact numbers around that time, but I would imagine somewhere in the 15 um, to 20 million range, maybe, uh, for PS4 alone. So, you know, consoles across the board, you were probably looking at a 30 million um, the 20 to 30 million uh, units pool of people. Yeah. So, and that's when the game released. Well, what did The Witcher 3, what do we know about The Witcher 3? The Witcher 3 is a game that came out and has continued to sell incredibly well throughout the entire generation. Of course. All right. Another game that also benefited from that was Grand Theft Auto. So what it comes down to is, yes, they may lose a little bit of the initial splash that they could have had, but when you do a game that really utilizes next-gen hardware in the way that it needed to, and The Witcher 3 would not have been possible on PS3 and 360 the way that it ended up coming out. So they took a chance. Um, they, they made that change. Sound like I'm singing Kelly Clarkson now. Um, but breaking away <laughs> from... Really? Yeah, I needed to say it. Uh, breaking away from that led them to a point where with The Witcher 3, they were able to make a game that was so good that the word of mouth ended up giving them sales over a longer period of time, which is Grand Theft Auto Five also got done. It's, so it's been selling throughout the entire generation. And, and both these list. games were continuously updated at like massive levels. Exactly. They got, they, they, they got a massive amount of support post-launch. Uh, so when you think about them doing that, is it really that dumb to, for them to go, you know what? We're not going to do it for PS3 and PS4. I mean, for PS4 and Xbox One, we're going to cut that. And instead, we're going to shift our focus to the uh, Xbox Two, whatever you want to call it, and the PS Five. I don't think it'll be called that. Yeah, who um, knows at this point? But you know, if they do that, I don't think that it's the worst idea in the world because if they do that and just give an extra year of development time to make sure that they actually get it working how they need to, you may end up with a game that is also just as fondly received and word of mouth so widely praised that it sells out the generation and they make the money that they made with The Witcher 3, which was hand over fist money. Right. And then they're able to do DLC that act as standalone, or not standalone, but they act as so big segments of the game that they're almost like an extra game and they can continue supporting this game in such a way that they make their money back. We've already seen them do it once. I don't think it's that crazy to think they'll do it again. No, that absolutely said, not. I do still think that there's a chance these games are just PS4 games. I mean, PS4 I'm sure, and Xbox One. I'm sure they are. And see that's, that's And it won't be cross gen at all. And that may be, yeah. That 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 is a high possibility in my mind. Because that's it kind of goes back into what I was saying is that I think that the gap in which cross gen now is not going to be a massive gap that is going to be noticeable like it was last time. I think it's noticeable in the back end stuff. Is what's interesting. So yeah. I think what you notice Nothing up front like visuals, maybe even I mean, they'll be there, particle size. effects would be up. You know? Well, okay. Nothing like main visuals, though. Like, what I mean is, like, when you're playing a game, like, not everybody takes in all the particle effects and stuff. I'm talking about just comparing a screenshot to a screenshot. Yeah, texture detail would start to uh, give you diminishing returns. Because 4K is about where you are at, where, like, you know, they're developing 8K for no reason. 
uh, 4K is to the point where if you're not close enough, you can't even you eight can't feet. completely visually tell the yeah, difference. I'm pretty sure it's eight um, feet far for, or away from it. You can't tell the difference between AP. So it gets weird when you talk start, start talking about that and where they're working at from a from a resolution standpoint. Uh, but then texture resolutions are another thing. Texture resolutions, um, AI. So that's one thing. But um, then that's where I was saying. I think the biggest jump you'll see is yeah, particle effects and stuff like that will see a bigger thing. Subscattering. Surfaces, it won't be like, like last gen though. Yeah, it won't they, be as that, that it, the games won't be com- that completely yeah. different. Whereas where you look at Killzone Three and then you look at Killzone Shadowfall and you're like, what? Yeah, the yeah. Um, I, I agree with you in a lot of spots there, but I think that you'll still feel it. Like I said, oh, with, I'm sure you with will. Thief, yeah, Thief, I couldn't visually tell it a whole lot, but, but you I can. Felt it you can tell the, the yeah. You could tell by the way it was so small. And I think that at this point, the only thing that we can really do is sit back and wait because there's two sides to this question: is that if it's already being developed for cross gen. There's, it means, for cross-gen? So you're saying yeah. like they're already... No, I'm saying if it is, yeah, if it is, then that means that the game is already going to be hampered in some capacity for next-gen titles. Yes. Compared to next-gen titles. Yes, yeah. Then there is also that it is not being, which is the double-sided sword, because it is going to either be a this-gen exclusive or it's going to be a next-gen exclusive. And there's going to be losers on each side of that. There's going to be people who want to play it next-gen and not this-gen. There are going to be people who can't afford next-gen consoles that want to play it this-gen. Uh, and then there's the third option, which is kind of unrelevant, but it's also a very high possibility nowadays, is that there will be a port. Um, that last option doesn't really matter because it's you can still tell. You can still play The Last of Us, and even though it's an oppressive game as that is, when you play it now compared to what other third-person-style games there are, even if you're going to compare it to something like Days Gone, you can tell that The Last of Us came from last gen, but it but necessarily doesn't mean that's a negative. So you're not, you're, you don't mean port traditionally, you mean remaster? No, pretty much. A, a, I mean, yeah, I guess so. In, in terms of what next gen, like what would add to it, I guess a remaster would be a fitting word. Yeah, a more well, fitting the, word. The, you just you brought up the last of us. So the last of us is a remaster. Yeah, because uh, it's sixty now, frames. The textures are better. There's Grand Theft Auto Five. Something else. It's not called Grand Theft Auto Five Remastered. It's, it's a, not. It's a port. I it's know. not. But there is. There is a lot. I don't think it's just a port, though. If I, well, I don't no, remember. But when I say port, like it's it's more than just it's it's not even thinking of it like you're just taking the same game and putting it up. They went through and made sure that it ran well on PS4. They moved the entire online community to everybody up because they knew that was what was going to happen because this is the console that's getting the most support and updates. Um, they added first person mode, so they went in and that's did right, more yeah. to the game, more than just remastering it. And I think that that's what's interesting to say about that is Grand Theft Auto Five might be the perfect example of a game that is technically crossed in, but not crossed in in the same sense as the other one. So I would still say that Grand Theft Auto Five is obviously held back. Well, I don't the fact consider that it was on, it was built on the foundation of a PS3. Yeah, 360. and even though Last of Us came fairly early on in PS4, I don't, I don't consider Last of Us uh, crossed in. Yeah, I, would, I mean, it's, it's a remaster. Yeah. It, it truly and is. I think it's that not a cross-gen game. Yeah, it's, and that's a possibility with way, the way uh, I just the way I know how CD Projekt Red works is that if they were to remaster a game, it would be the quality of the remaster is probably going to be a lot better than the quality of a lot of games coming out launching on next gen anyways. <laughs> you know what's really crazy about that, though? As sad as that is. You know, we say that there's got to be a, there's a, that there's a line between a port and a remaster. I don't think there does. I think a port is just a 1080p... 60 frames or well, whatever, whatever the traditional I'm you know, sorry. standard is. I'm sorry, wrong road. Uh, uh, between a remaster and a cross-gen game, in a lot of sense, The Last of Us remastered is really more, it, it's it's really the same effect that you got with cross-gen games. 
it was still it looked better on PS4, but it still okay, held back saying. by the fact that's that a, that's it's what a I was bringing up. Game. Yeah, that's, so a, that's, that's why yeah. I brought it up. So because... a remaster and a cross gen game are essentially the same effect. It's just remasters only come late enough in the gen that you wouldn't consider them cross gen because they weren't close enough to the launch windows. Exactly, and that's why that was my example is yeah. because you can tell that, and that's what I said. I don't mean anything negative about it because I love The Last of Us, but there is you could definitely tell when you play it in this gen with other games, and like I compared it to Days Gone. Yeah, it is a product of last gen. Yeah, but it's super interesting to think about it that way. And because a lot of it is not visually only. Again, it's design. Exactly. It's it's the corridor style levels Damn. that are present in some of the games. That's going to be interesting. It is. So like this is why I, I picked this topic is because I was like this is something that is going to be completely different in a weird way compared to what we normally see in terms of a cross gen, and it's something that you I don't I'm not going to judge until I see it because smart yeah because I mean. The the quality of this, spe- specifically this game, if what we see in the trailer is what we get to a degree, like in terms of the effects that are going on in the game, the amount of enemies on screen, the texture quality. I know it's been bumped up on a PC, but I'm sure that there's a there's a product in my mind of what I see that is compared to that that I think we'll get. That you feel like runs on current gen hardware. Yeah. And that I, and that, that will still look perfect. Comparable. Yeah. And I think that if we even get that, it's going to be such an odd thing that what you could see you'll get next gen like with it if they, if they were to get it so it's it's just interesting to think about because cross gen is completely different like if you look at if you say the word cross gen now as a game title you think to yourself I don't want that because it's so bad because of this gen but the way technology has completely shot up this past five and the, years the law of diminishing returns to yeah. some extent anyway yeah so it always exists of course. Because the other side that we haven't even talked about, which is what's weird. So I guess to tie in what I'm thinking about with uh, with CD Projekt Red, where I was going with is one of the other potential areas of, of improvement, right, would be the ability to go higher in scope of size. But, dude, they're already making massive worlds that don't have to load. Yeah, I was going to say, compare, like, if, if they made a game... Uh, and don't even have texture popping. Like, Spider-Man is massive, yeah, realistically. I, and you just swing throughout the whole thing, and right. it's... it's Pretty detailed. Never, I've not. I've seen texture pop in, but I've never seen a building or anything physical pop in. I've not even seen texture pop in yet. But I've seen. I've seen it a couple of times. Motion it's blur stuff helps that. So no, I turned that off. That may be why. Hi. I turned off motion blur and chromatic aberration. Yeah, that's that makes always sense. two things I don't keep on ever. And I'm glad that because uh, before the day one patch, you couldn't turn those off. Oh. According to like two reviews I watched, and one's ACG, so I, I really trust him. He said that there is no way to turn motion blow off. That's interesting. So that is, I am glad that I updated that. So I guess what I was going with, though, is that, um, so when you think about that, right, going up in scope and size of the world doesn't really matter when certain studios are already exceeding massively at making worlds that are so big that it's like, do you think about the development time needed to make that world feel real and inhabited and going that much bigger? The more, the eventually you go so big that it feels unnecessary. Right. right. So if you get to the point where with this generation, cyberpunk comes out and depending on what they're talking about, which is having an area that's big on the ground, but also very vertical. Yeah. If they already hit that and it's so well, there might be the chance that even if it's not a cross gen game, that as a PS4 game, Cyberpunk end up ends up feeling very similar to what next gen games are trying to do, just by nature of them being that much above. I don't know if that's true, yeah. and I'm not claiming it will be. That's one of the but exciting CD aspects Project about Red it. Are a very interesting developer in the sense that you saw them kind of go above and beyond in such a weird way with going open world with The Witcher Three, and then they're being so ballsy as to step into a completely different genre with what they're doing and take on a whole different style, not only in terms of setting, but in terms of first person. I don't think they've done a first person game ever. They they haven't. 
their first game was The Witcher. Was it really? They yeah. haven't done any games besides The Witcher. No, nope, The Witcher, The Witcher Two, The Witcher Three. I thought for some reason and there reason was a there clear was. progression in each one. The Witcher One oh, was very yeah. linear. The Witcher Two is white, is like ho- open hubs, almost like a, a Sly Cooper game where you're in an area and you go through it, and then you, and it loads, and you're in a new area. And you yeah, go, you can walk around through it. Uh, and then of course, Witcher Three is a fully open area that only loads whenever you fast travel, like or if you go to Skellige or whatever the name of the island was. I think it's Skellige, um, where it's away. So you can't get there. Like it makes sense as to why you load there. Right, because but, you have to get there by a boat like six days later. Yeah, so, but anything else, that, that game, you can just move between areas and you didn't have problems. So when you think about what they were able to do there and if they're able to do that here uh, with CD Projekt, or sorry, with uh, Cyberpunk 2077, if they're able to pull that off, there's a chance that Cyberpunk ends up feeling decidedly next-gen while being a current-gen game. Yeah. And Cyberpunk can end up being that thing. Let's just say that we go back to that 2019 thing. If 2019 is PS5, and Cyberpunk comes, and it says, uh, "Yeah, we're going to come out." Let's just say uh, it's just it's keep, it's follow the PlayStation Four. November twenty nineteen is PS Five. This okay. is speculation, postulation. None of it has to be real. Don't know. I'm not even saying that it's true. But if that Excuse happens, me. right? And let's just say Cyberpunk goes, "We're going to release in June of twenty nineteen," and then you start seeing launch games for PS Five, and you're like. Wow, this is better than like, or this is comparable to some of these launch games, yeah. and it's doing so with the smart, like the the the, the well optimized design and everything of this game is just. They were a little bit ahead of the curve in what you would expect from a next gen game design wise. Who knows? Which could be bad for business. You may think I don't need a PS Five if I can play games as good now. They're well, gonna keep yeah, making games you know, like this. You know they won't keep making on PS4. I, we know that. The average consumer won't. Maybe. Won't look into it. They'll yeah, like, definitely yeah, the if I can play, Yeah, if I can play this game, I won't need a, a new PS5. This game looks better than all those, you know? Yeah, that's true. Very average like consumer mentality. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting because there are a lot of late bloomers. But, you know, when, you, when you're talking about the core gaming audience, which is going to be the people who really support... If the game ended up being a PS5 game, it's going to be the people who support it first and foremost. Us. Uh, it's going to be interesting. So It is. Well, how about you guys let us know what you think in the comments. With cross-gen games being more and more prevalent of more power that we're getting with games, do you think that it's going to be a problem? Do you think it's going to be something you're not going to care about? Uh, what do you think specifically with Cyberpunk uh, do you think will happen? And what do you want to happen? An interesting one. Would you prefer Cyberpunk to be next-gen due to the release schedule of the games? Excuse me, that we know are absolutely PS4 games. Or do you want it to be on February 22nd of next year <laughs> with everything else in the world? Yeah, that sounds unlikely. But we are, I think, wrapping up. Saul, would you like to add anything else, good sir? No, sir. Uh, check out our Patreon side scroll here at the end if you're on YouTube and be yep. sure to listen for it. Thanks to all our patrons. So um, Thank you very much. Check out links in the description for everything else you may want to inquire about us. Yep, and we'll see you next week. Thank it's you. been Triangle Square. Thanks. Thanks to our patrons for supporting us. Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Mikey12, My Name is Dan, Noonie Bird, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Blake Popst, Eduardo Palomino. If you'd like to support us, uh, the links are in the description. Thank you.